This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This program airs Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time right here on Carnival and is available later as a podcast by going to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app and at warfradio.com. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be speaking with the chief editor of draftcentral.com.au, Peter Williams, for his thoughts on what has been the AFLW draft period 2020. But first, the latest women's footy news. We begin down at Cadinia Park, where it hasn't been good news for Geelong. They've had to let go of their head of women's football, Simone Balez, as well as their VFLW head coach, Natalie Wood, due to financial restraint. They, along with another number of staff members, have been let go, with the club expecting to end the year with a shortfall of $3.5 million, and they'll need to reduce spending by $6 million in 2021. The move has been widely criticised in the women's footy community. Uh, Geelong have also announced that 30 two-year-old Anna Teague has retired. Uh, injuries finally catching up with the defender. She's a former uh, WNBL basketballer. Uh, she originally began with Geelong in the VFLW, was then recruited to play at Melbourne, and then went back to finish her career with the Cats in the AFLW. Geelong have also delisted uh, midfielder Cassie Blakeway and defender Gemma Wright, uh, who's decided to step away from the game for personal reasons. Over to the Kangaroos, they've announced that Emma Humphreys has been delisted. The uh, Tasmanian was a midfielder who played uh, six games across two seasons. Prior to that, she played with Melbourne and, of course, played with the Western Bulldogs in the AFLW exhibition matches. Over at the Brisbane Lions, uh, Brianna McFarlane and Hannah Hillman have been delisted, while former under-18 Queensland captain Ariana Clark has decided to step away from the second year of her contract in football in general. Melbourne has also confirmed that uh, Ainsley Camp, who uh, played 10 games over four seasons and unfortunately uh, did her uh, ACL uh, last year, she will not be offered a contract for 2021. Also in AFLW News, Rebecca Beeson has written a piece for The Guardian Online, which you can read at theguardian.com.au, talking about the struggles of AFLW footballers in the COVID-19 world, particularly for those that have lost their jobs and will have to decide if it's financially viable to take part in the AFLW in 2020. And if a hub situation happens, will the AFL cop Compensate those footballers who will have to turn away from their jobs and will some footballers say it's not worth it to give up their jobs to go into a hub situation. Again, that piece by Rebecca Beeson at theguardian.com.au. And the West Coast Eagles have announced their inaugural club best and fairest being Dana Hooker. Let's head to overseas women's footy news and after the pause for COVID-19, of course, beforehand we saw the Western European Women's League get up and about and then everything came to a grinding halt. Well, footy could be back. 
we're starting to see some leagues pop up and get things happening again, even with just simple training sessions. And guess what? Next month, there's going to be a festival of football on the 26th of September. Now, this is AFL Europe's idea in partnership with the National Australia Bank. They're encouraging teams to come together across the continent and play in a series of Aussie rules matches on the day. And uh, they're asking uh, countries that host a tournament to get in contact with AFL Europe so they can assist with the event, including medals for the winning team, a team of the tournament Guernsey, footies and a whole heap more. So go to afleurope.org for more information on that. And uh, another one of the teams that are finally coming out of, I guess you could call it the COVID-19 hibernation, are the Cardiff Panthers. They're training again in Wales, which is fantastic to see. And talking about overseas footy, well, the weekend just gone, we were supposed to have crowned a new AFL International Cup champion for both men's and women's. But of course, this year's tournament, which was due to be held at Maroochydore on the Sunshine Coast, was cancelled due to COVID-19. If things go well, and if the borders reopen, we will have a tournament in 2021 on the Sunshine Coast, penciled in for late July, early August. Again, all depending on borders, international restrictions, etc., etc. That is your latest women's footy news. Been playing for a while, sweet kicks. Cause footy makes you smile, sweet kicks football. If you're getting ready for the trials, gotta go the extra mile, sweet kicks football. Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au. Gotta go the extra mile. Sweet Kicks Football. So as we go to air on Wednesday evening, the 12th of August, the AFLW trade period has wrapped up. We are going into the free agent period and we're about to cover all the trades that have occurred up until midnight on Tuesday, the 11th of August. Of course, uh, we had to wrap things up a little bit before the official trade deadline ended on Wednesday at 2pm due to our production deadline. Anything that we have missed will be covered off in next week's episode. But we thought we'd get the expert on the line, someone who knows all about what's happening, particularly with under-18s football. Because remember, they're not only jockeying for trades of getting experienced players, clubs are jockeying for draft position. And how good are these under-18 footballers, particularly as well in Victoria, where no one knows really what's going on because the VFLW didn't happen this year and we only got away three NAB League girls games and there's no uh, under-18s national carnival on this year. So a person to make sense of these trades, did the clubs get the right experience players and what do the draft picks mean we've got on the line the chief editor from draftcentral.com.au they don't just cover aussie rules they've got netball they've got basketball tennis and mma it's great to have on the line peter williams peter how are you yeah not too bad peter i guess as uh, good as you uh, could expect in this kind of time but yeah no it's good to to be on and actually be able to chat footy uh because for a while there, we weren't sure how much we'd be able to chat. So it's great to be able to just come out and do it, even if it's uh, limited, I guess you'd say. 
Of course, you've been affected like us. Nationally for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, uh, we're not calling the VFL Women's this year because simply the VFL Women's is not running. Mm. Naturally, you have a big focus on the NAB League, boys and girls. You had a little bit of NAB League girls at the start of the year with a couple of rounds, and then, of course, that got stopped and the championships got called off. Uh, where does it place you as a group with Draft Central around your coverage, particularly of women's football this year? Yeah, so so basically what we, we had to do was we knew that, well, the other states were starting to get up and happening and we've, we've covered the other states before, but more like a brief overview just because of obviously resources and trying to get, get around to all the games and, and cover them as much as we can. But it's actually given us a bit of an opportunity because obviously Stanford's up and running, both men's and women's, obviously final time for women's and then um, the Waffle and Waffle Women's is up and, and Quaffle Quaffle Women's uh, is, is happening as well and TSL um, too and AFL Sydney, but particularly Stample and uh, Waffle were the next two that we wanted to really go in depth with because we knew we had the audience that was coming there and, and Stample in particular has almost become a bit like that NAB League, NAB League girls, um, having sort of a, a, a piece or two every day that we report on so it's become that real focus, and and the waffle um, they've been great over there. Like they only um, televised the one game, but like I watch that game each week, and I watch the four sample women's each week. So um, there's sort of the, the the five there that I sort of see, and then I try and get a, a quaffle, and I sometimes have to jump into a TSL and have a couple of games there. So I kind of rather than just predominantly watching Victorian and then trying to watch a couple of interstate games or from from Victorian perspective anyway um i'm able to go and watch uh quite a bit of the sample quite a bit of the waffle and everything like that and i just feel like certainly this year it's been tough but um i've really enjoyed it because it's given me a great perspective on players in the other states and now i feel like coming into this draft like particularly with like from the women's sense last year it was like yep i know say the victorians probably 95 percent i could you know go on for ages about them um South Australia, I probably knew, you know, probably your 60, 70%, like a fair chunk of them. But now I feel like that's up to sort of that 90, 95% um, where it was with the VIX. And, and, and WA, I'm feeling confident with them as well. Like they're probably up at that SA range from last year just because you get to see a lot more of them and everything. So like it, 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 there has been benefits as much as it's been a bit annoying. Um, but like, I mean, it's been great to watch and, and we've certainly boosted our SA and WA audience because of it. So, I mean, silver lining, uh, which is what you've got to look for in this kind of time. So, yeah, uh, we, we, we've got through um, doing that kind of coverage. And may we just give quick praise as well to the sample. I know we've been beating on about it for ages, particularly in Victoria where the NAB League girls virtually just has its grand final shown live. And in the VFLW, you only get one game a week, which is video streamed. But the, the sample goes above and beyond with all their games for their women streamed each week on their digital pass. Yeah, no, it was it, it's a fantastic resource, and um, it actually helped me. It's a bit of a funny story. The other week, um, by watching each of the games and studying and everything like that, um, occasionally, obviously, as you know, we can have some malfunctions with scoreboards and things like that. And what actually happened was in one of the Glenelg games, they um, they'd won by quite a bit, but they'd missed a goal and was driving me insane. Going, oh, I swear they had another goal. I rewatched the game. Well, yeah, they definitely did turns out Eloise Jones had kicked a goal that didn't get counted. So um, sample are great. I, I went to them and said, oh, just so you know, they probably should have an extra goal and they added it on and everything like that. But yeah, it was just fantastic because being able to have that access 
it just gives everyone the ability to be able to um, watch it. And I've certainly enjoyed it since the break. I've, yeah, as I said, I've sort of watched all the games because, um, yeah, I wanted to get my footy fixed. And, um, yeah, it, it's a great quality standard too because there's a fair few AFL women's players running around in there. So it's quite a high standard. Let's turn our focus to AFL women's because not only will you be watching the draft, you'll naturally be looking at the implications from that, as in who moves into what order in the draft, plus now what club will need what when you obviously file your reports for afl.draftcentral.com.au mm. about the under-18s and possibly a few overages that will get picked up. Let's take a focus on, on how the day kicked off. Day one back last Monday, a whole heap of picks, but are we really to be surprised by so much action on day one, considering this trade period would have normally been held back in May. No one was allowed yeah. to sign on or anything like that for several months. But speaking to some coaches, particularly at the state league levels, everyone kind of knew who was getting delisted and who was staying on, but just no one couldn't say anything officially. Yeah, like, I, I feel like that both men's and women's, that, that happens all the time. Like, generally, the, um, the club and the players themselves have an idea where they're going to go and everything like that, even when they don't have much time. Like, often when it's a couple of weeks after the season, they're generally like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be heading there or we go there um, and everything like that. I know when uh, North Melbourne came in, you know, it was quick off the bat. Uh, I think it was Emma Carney who was pretty much, it wasn't long um, after the season that she was just like, yep, go on there. And, and so it just rolled on from there. So I think the club's, once the first one sort of comes out and, and sort of announces that you know there's going to be a roll-on uh, particularly when it came to expansion clubs, but certainly this year they've had extended time to work it out and um, prepare their social medias, I guess, if you like, uh, all the clubs and have plenty of graphics and things ready to go and, and players know what they're going to say. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, they've had the extra time, but um, yeah, it's not too surprised because you want to knock them all over on day one and that way you they're all there, it's all secure and you can work on anything that maybe wasn't 100% secured before that. Now, the players that were originally uh, mentioned about being possible trades before the official trade period kicked off were Elise O'Day coming out of, uh, of Melbourne and Sarah Hosking coming out of Carlton, both Alexandre managed players. So no doubt she was doing the press rounds, trying to uh, talk up her players. And, of course, Sarah Hosking was the first to go. Are you surprised by this move? She's breaking away for the first time from her twin, Jess. She's going to Richmond where... Let's be honest, they were a basket case in the first year of the competition. They didn't win a game. So she's going to a bottom team. Carlton, in the meantime, they'll probably be happy. They get a first-round pick. They get pick 15 off of Richmond. So they get some type of compensation. But besides possibly a deal that's being done when it comes around sponsorship or employment or something like that, it does scratch your head going, why would she want to jump to the Tigers? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it is interesting, and I wonder if sometimes when you know there's multiple deals, players talk, as you said, players know generally where they're going to go. You just wonder if, you know, Richmond, and you'll talk about the other deals of players that go there, but um, you just wonder if she knew who else was going to end up there, and then you kind of get that um, real feeling that, hang on, we can turn this around with a handful of players that, that – head that way and you know they've got the top pick and whatnot so you know you're going to get an absolute elite player from a junior club and um, I just feel like yeah I reckon she had the maybe the uh, word in the ear from some of the other players that might have said look we're going to go there too and um, perhaps it's just that little bit of renewed faith and look um, Monique Conti maybe even got in her ear and said look it'd be great to have some help over here because 
Um, that's really what they needed, some extra midfield depth and, and just players who could crash in and, and, and take some of the load off uh, Monique in there. So uh, I definitely think that um, from Ritten's perspective, they'd be really, really happy with that, just getting some of those players that they could need uh, that they need, and, and getting Sarah Hosking off the bat would be really great. And it's going to be interesting. I think we know what the storyline will be if uh, Richmond-Carlton face off, particularly if that's in the uh, opening round of the season. I think we know where that's going to go with the uh, sisters potentially lining up. Now, later on in, in that same day, we saw a move of Grace Campbell going to uh, the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. And that left everyone scratching their heads going, oh, great, they've, they've, they've beefed up the midfield with Hosking. And then, hang on, Campbell's going. Because Campbell finished yeah. fifth in Richmond's best and fairest. She went to an already strong North Melbourne. People were wondering where she would fit in their midfield. We'd know later on in the trade why that all worked out. It almost, at the time, until the trade was done later on in the week, it almost seemed to be the steal of the draft because North Melbourne only had to give up pick 43 for a player that was fifth in, Car- in Richmond's best and fairest. Yeah, and that was the one trade. Like, I look at Richmond's trade. I, I quite like all their trades that they've done. That was the one that isolated. I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think they've given her up way too cheap. But I think there's a few like that. So it, it's interesting. And the question also asks why she's going to North Melbourne. Because, I mean, North Melbourne don't exactly have a, uh, a, a you know, a weak midfield in there. Like, you're not exactly uh, one of the top, top ones in there. So... She's just going to add extra, you know, that extra class to it and the extra, you know, ability. Like, to have her roll through there with the, the names they've already got, it's it's ridiculous in there. Like, no doubt. Like, with their midfield, um, they're going to be a challenger again. I think that's fair to say. So, um, yeah, to, to add Grace Campbell, just an absolute massive one for North, I think. And, and that's really great. Now, North Melbourne... Uh, end up picking up pick 40 when they had to uh, let go of Abby Green, who uh, originally based in Launceston is obviously moving to Victoria to make that commitment to now play with Collingwood. It's curious requesting a trade to go to Collingwood. Yes, she'll be replacing Eliza Hines, but essentially she'll be the number two ruck. We'll probably have limited game time behind the All-Australian and Shani Layton. Yeah, no, like, I, I think that's fair. Like, um, yeah, getting the extra depth, obviously from Collingwood's perspective, getting the extra depth there and, and seeing what's happening. The only thing I can think of is in case Collingwood were looking at playing um, Shani more of maybe that 50-50 role playing forward, which she's been able to do at times. I, I do much prefer in the ruck um, when I do watch Collingwood. So, um, but, you know, I, I'm sure there'd be more reason than that than just being a depth player. So, Hopefully they've got something planned. Who knows? They might come out. Like, obviously, Emma King, uh, you know, they, they transformed her into a, a quality um, forward. So, like, I, I guess the Ruckers can really um, mix around. And if they can find something there, then perhaps Collingwood have something up their sleeve uh, where they might just slot her in. But otherwise, it, it is a good depth deal for Collingwood. They didn't have to give up too much. But, yeah, I think all in all, if you look at those two deals, which are roughly around those picks, um, the Campbell and Green, the North have definitely ended up better off with that one. Some may call them the St Kilda Hawks because they seem to be picking up a heck of a lot of Hawthorne VFLW talent, including their former uh, coaches and assistant coach there, uh, Paddy Hill, because they picked up Jade Van Dyke, originally of Hawthorne, went to Carlton to start an AFLW career in 2020, missed most of the season due to an ankle injury. Uh, she goes across to the Saints along with pick 42. Blues getting back pick 36. Handy player there for the Saints. Yeah, no, I, I like that because, um, yeah, it just gives them a, a bit more certainty in defence as well. And 
Um, I, I, I think from memory, she was a little in and out of Carlton's uh, side at times, like uh, not consistently enough. But she's like you know, she's a quality player that can really slot in easily. Best twenty-two at St Kilda, and I, I feel like that's a need that um, they get to fill there. So I definitely think that St Kilda did really well, and I, I quite um, rate Van Dyke there. So I think that she's definitely going to be a a great acquisition, and yeah, I definitely think St Kilda um, won off with that one. So, as we moved into day two, um, Richmond now managed to pick up three players. So, they got a bit of help in the forward line with Sarah Darcy. They got Sarah Dargan there as well. And they picked up a defender, a Melbourne fullback in Harriet Cordner. Uh, they end up giving up pick 17, which ultimately landed at uh, Melbourne. And picks 31 and 45 both went to Collingwood. So, you can see there that they, they felt they were a bit underdone when it came to experience there at the Tigers. But everyone was starting to wonder, particularly when Darcy went along, they go, gee, is the forward line starting to get a bit crowded at the Tigers? And where will Darcy fit? Because we know Brennan keeps trying to push her case that she wants to be a midfielder, even though she really isn't. It is making a crowded forward line at the Tigers, which makes people scratch their head again going, yes, they're getting experience, they need experience, but are they getting the right pieces of the puzzle? Yeah, and I I actually half wonder if maybe Darcy plays further up the ground as well, potentially, um, because... I mean, being at Collingwood, she's sort of played a bit everywhere, really. Um, but obviously, she's been that most dominant as a forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to use her further up the ground because she may well be that better option um, than Katie Brennan in the midfield. So um, I don't know. She might start off a wing, for example, or something like that, or, or, you know, just be that target. Because sometimes maybe if Richmond are kicking out, you know, you need that extra target that's leading up that isn't just a ruck and, and not as predictable. And we know how good um, Darcy is with her hands. So definitely, like, I, I imagine she'll probably have more than just a stay-at-home forward role. And I think that she'll definitely work hard. And obviously, it's the club that she supported as well as a kid. So um, it's a great result for her and for Richmond. Irish woman Ashling McCarthy requested a trade to the West Coast Eagles. She was on the Western Bulldogs list, a crucial part of the Western Bulldogs list, particularly on her 2020 form. Uh, the deal was done. She went to the West Coast Eagles. The Bulldogs got back pick 16 in return. The word was McCarthy wanted to go to the Eagles because they were offering a physiotherapy role. So there was something to do with her career that was going to help her along in that way and possibly keep her in Australia longer. Um, in, in the end, is this a win for the Bulldogs, as strange as it sounds losing this quality player, because we still don't know what the coronavirus situation is going to be in months to come. We don't know what the border situation will be. And if the borders remain closed, either here or Ireland, and the Irish woman can't come back to the AFLW, essentially the Bulldogs got a good pick for a player they may not have even been able to play in the first place. Yeah, the the Bulldogs have just done so well, because I feel like um, of all the clubs, the Bulldogs knew who to trade with too as well. I know obviously it judges where they go, but basically they knew West Coast can overpay in a sense if they know they're well positioned enough compared to Fremantle and particularly with like Adelaide as we'll talk about like with another trade after. But like they knew the clubs that potentially don't value the picks as high as say uh, other Victorian ones were where obviously the deals we spoke about just then with Richmond and, and trading picks a lot of them are competing for the same players in the draft pool. So I reckon the Bulldogs have just done it very, very nicely with some of these trades. So um, definitely, uh, and obviously, you know, Nathan Burke being around, he knows the players that are in the draft prop, so he knows the ones he's intent on. And, um, yeah, I definitely think they did pretty well out of that one, particularly, you know, if if McCarthy wanted to go to West Coast, then they got probably as good as you were going to get from that deal. So I'd be pretty happy if I was a Dogs fan.
Alicia Newman crossed from Melbourne to Collingwood, another out of this exodus that was uh, coming out of the Ds. Uh, the Ds gave a pick uh, 11 to the Magpies and also got to 10 and 27 uh, back in return. Um, Alicia Newman kind of adds to this theory of small ball for the Pies. Um, besides, if Leighton pushes forward, they don't really have a tall forward line. We saw last year with the move of uh, uh, Steph Kiochi instead of being played off the half-back, was more frequently seen at half-forward. Um, this seems to be kind of a run and carry type of game. Goals coming from their midfield, per example, Jamie Lambert and her VFLW form um, prior to going into the AFLW for her season in 2020. Yeah, I, I, look, I like, I quite like Alicia Newman. Um, obviously, I get out to Casey Fields a fair bit, so I've seen a fair few of her uh, magnificent goals. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think she suits Collingwood well because. They've been trying to get more speed into that uh, list. They did last year. Uh, they improved that a bit more. They, they were a bit slow probably a couple of seasons ago or, or didn't quite have the um, connections from midfield to forward. And to be honest, Newman's one of those players that doesn't need to connect from midfield to forward. She'll just run the entire length of the ground. So, um, yeah, I, I think she adds something that Collingwood needs. And I think this is actually a good deal. Like in terms of that part of the deal, like Melbourne, Collingwood, I think that's really good because, you know, she wasn't, quite getting the same season this year as she's had in past years and Collingwood probably need that type of player so I think that it works out for her getting more opportunity more chance probably a fresh start um, and then Melbourne continue their sort of um, I guess rebuild if you like uh, with all those players that are going out so I think it, it works for both teams. Uh, Jess Sedenry decided to return home to South Australia and has uh, done a deal where she's been picked up by the Adelaide Crows after one season at the Saints. The Saints handed over pick 42 as well, getting back pick 34 in return. Um, some strange circumstances around why Sedenry, I guess, wanted to stay home is that when COVID-19 hit, she decided it was best to move back home with family to South Australia. And then she badly broke her ankle playing in the Sandville yeah. W during July. So it's kind of like... Like, well, now I've got an injury that I've got to recover from. Am I going to recover with family in South Australia or go back to Victoria? And she made, I guess, the wise for support and probably for financial reasons as well, which can come along with being not being able to move around with a broken ankle. She's staying home in South Australia, obviously hoping to get some games in with the Crows. Yeah. Uh, look, Adelaide are just in a prime position. And I, I feel like I say this every year, and obviously they had the um, injuries uh at the start of last year that really sort of derailed them from being a, a contender. But genuinely, we know that, you know, draft picks don't matter to them. So even if they had pick one, they could give pick one up. Uh, until, they say, Port Adelaide in the league, they're not going to have that, uh, or, or National League, obviously, with the draft, they're not going to have that competition for players. They're going to get some top-end quality. Honestly, they're, they're bringing in two players who I would pick inside the top 15. So... Um, they don't need a pick there. Um, I think they're doing very, very well, very nicely. And, um, yeah, she just adds to the skill up there. And, yeah, I, I just think it really rounds out the team. Obviously, Adelaide had a couple of uh, or a few retirements. So, um, yeah, I just think it builds adds extra um, strength around the ground. And it's just great for them.
Okay, and then we had a um, an unusual deal which involved Melbourne, North Melbourne and St Kilda. Now, first of all, the unusual part, of course, is Bianca Jacobson, who uh, spent her first year at Carlton playing seven games, then moved to Melbourne and fitted in really well there, playing 13 games. But she took 2020 off um, due to uh, being part of the Victorian Police Academy and obviously want to uh, uh, focus on her career there. She's coming back to football, and what that involved was a three-way deal where Melbourne got for her pick 29, but that pick 29 came from North Melbourne as they sent Jackson to St Kilda. North Melbourne got involved in the deal, picking up pick 22 and a fourth rounder from the Saints. Uh, they sent pick 29 to Melbourne uh, and 40 and a fourth rounder to St Kilda. The Saints picked up uh, Jacobson, pick 40, the fourth rounder. Out went picks 22 and 50 to North Melbourne. North Melbourne fans were a little confused going, how the hell are we in this deal? How do we get involved? But from the reports I saw, this was a deal where actually the AFL got involved as part of their fairness policy about trying to balance out who gets what to, to make this deal work. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, it was quite a strange deal. I remember reading about it, sort of having a look, and obviously they want to balance everything around, which is, um, yeah, I don't know <laughs> how to feel about that. Like, uh, obviously the league stepping in saying that, you know, we've got to try and balance the lists and whatnot and make sure you're all trading appropriately and what, everything. But, I mean, inequality is always going to happen in sport. You're never going to have, uh, you know, 12, 14 teams, for example, all on the exact amount of wins and losses. So, I think you should just let them play. But, yeah, look, she's pretty happy heading to St Kilda. So I think that that is another great um, acquisition for the Saints. And I, I think they'll be a team to watch. Like, their young young kids showed quite a bit last year, and I think that they're definitely one. Getting that little bit of experience with Van Dyke and Jacobson in there, it's, it's going to help them. And then, of course, we had August 6th, which was Action Day, where, where, where everyone seemed to be moving house. This is the pick that has me scratching my head. Um, or the trade should I say, that has me scratching my head. Oh. Former Melbourne co-captain, Elise O'Day, going off to Carlton. Mm. We knew that was going to happen. The word was on the street, the options were, because she was part of a two-year deal. So she was meant to serve her second year this year yeah. with Melbourne. The deal was, I'm either going to retire or I'm off to Carlton. Apparently that was the ultimatum. Yeah. And one of the understandings that I do believe, and it's the reason why um, uh, O'Day was playing with Darabin in the VFLW and not the Casey Demons was to do with work and that she couldn't, because Melbourne liked to have their players train with Casey out at yeah. Casey during the off season. So, and she couldn't do that deal of going out to Casey. That's my understanding. So she wanted to go off to Carlton. Also, we don't know what Carlton were offering behind the scenes, but she's off to Carlton. Maddie Gruen has also joined a, uh, at Carlton. So Melbourne have lost two quality players, including O'Day, which we should mention is a two-time All-Australian. And in return, Melbourne just got pick 15. <laughs> I mean, we talk about the last year where it was three-way and we talk about the AFL getting involved with fairness. Does, 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 the, does, the, does the list manager at Melbourne need to be shot out of a cannon? You only got one pick back for these two players? <laughs> Yeah, there's a double-edged sword for this because um, obviously when it came down, I thought it was a tie. No, they didn't just uh, accept pick 15 for for both of them. Surely, um, surely not. But um, it it was interesting because keep in mind, and nothing gets uh, McCarthy, for example, McCarthy went to West Coast for 16. And then you look at O'Day and and obviously they're wearing there. So having the double um, for pick 15. But then as a Collingwood fan, I go back 12 months and I go, Look how much Collingwood gave up for Bree Davey. And obviously, Bree Davey's fantastic and worth it and everything like that. But then you look and go, O'Day, hang on, like, surely she's worth at least 
Like, if you're looking at least in that ballpark of, of what Collingwood paid up for Davey, I would think. So, like, I, I'm very, very surprised. Now, obviously, as you sort of mentioned, if she was hell-bent on getting to Carlton, then maybe, you know, Carlton basically said, that's all we're giving you, end of story. And they knew that, you know, they, they had that advantage. But to me, I don't, like, we speak about, you just mentioned about the fairness in the league. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that's a fair deal. But, you know, I guess Melbourne just got what they could get out of it. Um, they get an extra pick, which, you know, it's a pretty handy pick in the draft. But certainly, yeah, no, not compared to what deals we've seen in the past. Yeah, Carlton have got an absolute steal there. If pick one was given up for both players, pick one in the draft, you could make an mm. argument, okay, you're getting front position, is pick one an absolute superstar? You mm. might be able to make that argument. Out of these two players, I think everyone's expecting at least two, maybe three picks to be dealt here with here, or mm. a pick and maybe one of the back end of Carlton's list to try and help Melbourne out. But just the one pick just left everyone gobsmacked. And it puts it puts it in an interesting situation as well, because everyone thinks Melbourne's going through this rebuild. Melbourne at the moment still see themselves in the premiership window. I'm surprised in a way they didn't play hardball with O'Day because, again, the O'Day threat that she might retire instead of play if she couldn't get to Carlton. You've got to think you're giving a good player to a side who's pretty much on the same level Mm. as you, who's trying to get into that premiership window and win that flag. Wouldn't you as a list manager rather put the ultimatum back on the player of... Right, you're playing for us. If you're going to retire, that's fine. Retire, at least you won't be trying to help out another side who's trying to get above us. Yeah, it, it's going to be quite interesting because definitely that that acquisition for me, not only does it completely you know, nullify the loss of um, Sarah Hosking out of the midfield, like you've just got someone who's absolute quality who can play anywhere, gives them extra experience. And for me, that puts Carlton up into those top few teams I know they're sort of already there, but it just, rather than, you know, they, they probably don't have the, the same, yeah, we know they're going to be there if all their stars play like your North and your Adelaide and all that because Carlton is still young. I think this then throws Carlton into that group that says, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be a hard team to beat. And I reckon it's a massive coup for Carlton. And yeah, I, I would have played harder ball um, if I was Melbourne. Certainly worth a lot more. And as I said, as, as a Collingwood fan, it was definitely frustrating after what gave up for Bree Davey but um, and in a way that was Carlton that uh, got all that for Bree Davey last year and uh, they didn't have to give up that much for O'Day so I mean yeah it, it's always tough and you don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes when they're chatting but yeah I, I thought Melbourne should have given up a uh, you know should have received a lot more and, and, and gone a lot harder at that trade I think Another one is part of the uh, infamous uh, Melbourne um, escape plan that everyone's getting out of at the moment. It's like a jailbreak. Um, Catherine mm. Smith has uh, gone to GWS. Now, the rumours at the time was she was going to GWS or going to the Gold Coast. So it kind of has that feeling of it feels like there's something to do with her football career um, that's happening behind the scenes. And I mentioned that in the context of like Alicia Eva, mm. who's been coaching under-18s up there at New South Wales ACT. And I wouldn't be surprised if Smith who's been running her own girls' footy academy has been given that type of deal or possible business opportunities for her in a developing state and, and has probably seen that as more of a move rather than uh, rather than just a purely I want to play on this side because I think they're going somewhere type of deal. Not to write GWS off. Um, it, it was a complicated deal because uh, Whiteley wanted to return home to South Australia from the Giants so the Crows got Whiteley and pick 25 from the Giants. They had to give up picks 20 to Melbourne and 42 to GWS. Smitty went up to GWS and pick 29 with pick 42. The Giants lost Whiteley 
pick 25, pick 39 to Melbourne. That means Melbourne got picks 20 and 39 out Smith and uh, pick 29 there. A handy acquisition for GWS to try and build that back line, particularly in that back line when you think now of names that you're going to have Hetherington, Stevenson and Smith. Hmm. Yeah, and especially with Whiteley going out, who's been in ripping form in the uh, sample women's in the back line for the Panthers. Um, yeah, I, I think that just slots that role in perfectly. And if you look at the, the picks, they've basically um, gone up a few as well, uh, or, or just gone down a few, sorry. It's, it's been pretty nullified. And obviously with CWS, it doesn't really matter, just like Adelaide. Uh, you know, they're just having a good time trading picks around as long as they've got enough to complete their list. They're pretty happy. So I definitely think that's a similar like for like. And I think GWS have done quite well out of it. And, you know, Melbourne just added to their picks again. So, you know, they've just been stockpiling those. But, you know, you, you can't buy experience. And, yeah, that's the only question mark with Melbourne uh, losing all those names. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, a complicated three-way deal for Adelaide, Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs. Now, Hannah Munyard, uh, originally a South Australian, got signed as a free agent. Um, everyone was surprised that she was missed in the draft and that she went as a free agent, but she ended up at the Western Bulldogs. Um, she's going back to the Crows because I believe there, there, was a, there was a personal tragedy in her family. Um, so she yeah. wanted to obviously move back home um, to South Australia. Completely understandable. She went with pick 45 mm. from Collingwood. Pick 25 went to the Doggies. Collingwood got pick 33 in that deal. They lost Katie Lynch to the Western Bulldogs in pick 45 to Adelaide. Uh, the Bulldogs get in pick 25 and Lynch, Munyard out to Adelaide, pick 33 to Collingwood. Lynch, handy pickup for the Bulldogs because they had been looking for a forward. I know there was big rats around McLeod, but McLeod didn't quite deliver in set shots. They were really looking forward to Bonnie Toogood, who'd been moved out of the back line to the forward line until Toogood did a uh, injury uh, late in the season. Of course, then the season would be uh, called off. There's the ongoing problem of where do you play Izzy Huntington? It always seemed that she'd be a natural centre-half forward, but... In a, in a way of plugging a hole, they've been playing Huntington at centre-half back. This pickup of Lynch probably gives me the indication that Huntington is going to be the permanent centre-half back. Yeah, quite possibly. And, 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 I mean, Lynch also has the capability of playing through the midfield too, which makes it so versatile. And, and look, Collingwood drafts are in, in, in the first round, and realistically, to sort of not get that value back, I guess she hasn't played consistently as much as it could have, um, over the years, but I mean, you know, it, it, she's still a, a real high quality talent, and I think that definitely the Bulldogs have done very well out of this, particularly when they knew that, you know, Munya, uh, considering everything she's been through over the last six months, has, has gone back, and she's playing some great footy at the moment, which is just fantastic to see for um, for South Adelaide there. So, look, she's got a lot of speed, um, and she'll add to Adelaide's list. Um, but yeah, Bulldogs have done very well. So I think both the Bulldogs and Adelaide would be pretty happy with what they've done. And obviously Collingwood with their, those sort of trades trading out that pick 11 and for 19 and 25, that's just Tarney Brown related trades. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's good for Collingwood. But yeah, I think Lynch is a pretty big loss considering her upside. So definitely will be, be uh, very good for the Bulldogs. Uh, this next thing that happened on uh, Monday of the, the trade of the second trade week, um, I, I guess, is the question of if anyone was still seeing if the lights were on at Geelong because it was just a it was just a, a picks for picks type of swap. Um, Geelong got picks 10, 20, 27, and thirty nine. This is national draft picks. Melbourne in return got uh, five, thirty five, and a fourth round pick. Was this just a <laughs> was this almost a semblance of just to let everyone know Geelong still exists after? Uh, 
they had earlier on Friday um, had to dismiss Simone Belairs and Natalie Wood for budget reasons. There was $6 million in the hole and they just essentially said they were, to their women's footy pathways manager and their VFLW coach, sorry, yeah. no cash, bye-bye. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing. I wonder if some people were wondering whether there was anyone there to actually do any deals. But then, like, you look at Brisbane and Gold Coast, that they might not know the trade period's on. Like, they're pretty happy with where they're sitting too. So, um, but yeah, Geelong, look, they were able to adjust stuff. And Geelong, I know they're sort of in the Victorian pool, but look, there's a there's a couple of quality uh, Geelong Falcons girls that I think that they can snaffle up uh, pretty easily. So I don't think picks are going to be too much of a worry for them. Um, and they may well be able to still use that sort of... Um, you know, pick without having to get one of them. But I think they'll be able to get a number of quality players that uh, otherwise might not have been available. So it's good for them uh, that they're able to do that. So I, I think that, yeah, they got a deal done and they were able to get a few more picks early on. Um, and, yeah, they'll be able to snap up a couple of Falcons, I think, with them. And uh, the, the the final trade that we saw, now this is a recording of uh, Tuesday night, the 11th of August, uh, having to record a little bit earlier before the 2pm uh, deadline, due to the production deadline here on RSN Carnival. Um, a surprise that we saw Jess Trand wanting to go to WA. We know that she's a, a primary school teacher, so it sounds like there must be a career opportunity that awaits in WA, or she's looking for a, a change of scene. So she's agreed to move west. And <laughs> from one premiership contender to another premiership contender going from North Melbourne to Fremantle. So uh, expect to see a lot more of Jess Trend running around in the business end of an AFLW season. Uh, North got pick uh, 44 uh, in the end, which kind of seems like a, a steal for uh, the Fremantle Dockers, considering she played all 14 games in, in the uh, Ruse uh, history after being signed from Essendon's VFLW list. Um, uh, the Dockers then um, did a little bit of a swap around uh, with pick 46 um, to get uh, in return for Taylor Bresland, who went off to the West Coast Eagles. So the Eagles got some experience out of that. But, geez, Fremantle, if, if their midfield wasn't already class already, particularly when you think of the names of Cara Antonio, you throw in there um, uh, Kiara Bowers, the superstar, and Roxy Rue. Now you're throwing in a good workhorse in Jess Trent. Geez, they're, they're really beefing up a side that was undefeated when we had the COVID-19 break. Yeah, well, they're obviously North found a spot for Grace Campbell then. So they, they, they were able to bring in a quality midfield. Um, they let one go for pretty cheap. So uh, uh, there's a lot of players that went for pretty cheap, to be honest, at this uh, trade period. I feel like a lot of players went for value, like undervalue. So um, a lot of teams got some quality players um, for, for not a lot. So I definitely think three panel um, will be very, very happy with their trade period. So definitely, uh, yeah, I think they've, they're going to be happy and, and head home uh, with a win overall. But before we go into essentially what these picks means, from, from your humble uh, expertise, from Draft Central's point of view, having a look across all the clubs, mm. which club do you think came best out of this draft, uh, out of this trade period? Yeah, so for, from my perspective, I had four clubs <laughs> that I considered to be, uh, well, massive wins or particularly... Um, three clubs that I had as, as massive wins for what they gave up, um, and, and that was Adelaide, Richmond, Bulldogs, and then Carlton there too. Um, Carlton, the only reason Carlton are slightly down is because they did have to give up Hosking as well, where Adelaide obviously brought in quality players, only had to give up picks. 
Richmond, you know, they brought in their experience and only had to give up pick while keeping pick one, so they did quite well. Bulldogs continued their rebuild, brought in a, a bunch of uh, high picks and also Katie Lynch, who realistically should be considered a high pick. Um, so, yeah, I think those teams, particularly Adelaide, Richmond, Bulldogs and Carlton, are the, the, the teams that have done really, really well. Okay, so I guess the question that everyone is asking, as we know, football's happening outside of Victoria through the rest of Australia. Uh, they've managed, with a little bit of uh, restrictions uh, when we talk about COVID-19, about how they can train, etc. but they are playing full contact football. Victoria, yeah. we know the NAB League girls stopped after three rounds. There is no national carnivals for the uh, for the Vic girls to try and impress. There is no NAB League girls continuing on after that round since it got wiped out. The VFLW season as a full got wiped out. They wanted to try an exhibition match series. That got scrapped as well. So when you consider the Vic sides that were, that were scrambling for the draft, is it mm. wise to try and get that early position in what I believe is a compromised draft this year, considering we don't know if players are going to come out physically and mentally in a good space out of this COVID-19, considering the lockdowns we all have to go through as Victorian citizens. Is it fool's gold? Or do you think, no, the players that you've seen who were underages, 17-year-olds last year running through the NAB League girls and some that got to play championships, they're that of they're that good quality that they are worth trying to pursue those early picks. Oh, de- definitely in that sort of top 10 first round region. I, I think they're definitely um, absolute quality uh, that they'll run around. But it is, it is a good point that you wonder when the restrictions sort of lift, when they can train and everything like that. And obviously we know Geelong is uh, in that slightly, they were in that sort of stage three, I guess, compared to stage four. And before that, they weren't in anything um, major, which would make it interesting um, if, you know, you were, you were drafted by Geelong and you are able to sort of maybe start training earlier or, or get to know the players a lot easier and, and whatnot. So it will be quite interesting how they play that. Um, but it will be it will be good for, um, you know, the, the interstate teams who um, have different players that have been able to play, like your WAs, your SAs, and, and they're running into some good form. And, I mean, maybe if they the, the Vic girls had known the future, they might have even potentially worked out something with, their friends through the academy or something like that to potentially play interstate, but obviously then that throws up all the hurdles of year 12 and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think the top-end quality is definitely very, very good. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth it. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they front up at pre-season with, obviously, a lot less footy under the belt. We know that for the draft order for the first three picks in the Victorian draft. That's what everyone's going to be keen on. It's, it's, we'll touch on uh, when we do a special with you in, in about a month or so's time about uh, who will be the number one pick for the other respective states. And we won't call out those names yet because they've still got state league seasons. We yeah. could see bolters come from the blue in that. But for the Victorians, where essentially everything is on freeze, but we know that the top three draft picks are going to be the, uh, are going to be the Tigers, the Dogs and the Mel- and Melbourne. The Dogs doing a good move where they moved pick three to pick two to make sure that they uh, improved their position before Melbourne could jump ahead of them. What are the type of players that we could be talking about when we talk about these top three players that could be landing uh, at either the Tigers, the Dogs or the Ds? Yeah, so I, like for me, I think the three top players, in, in my opinion, are a couple of Northern Knights in Ali McKenzie and Alyssa Bannon. And then uh, Danny Nong Stingray, Tyana Smith. And they're all slightly different players. Ellie McKenzie's probably one that, uh, if, if you follow 
women's footy a little bit in the underage level. You've probably heard of her before. She's um, well, she's Tom McKenzie's sister, uh, who, who landed on Sydney's list for a year. Um, but she's just got so much power. She takes the game on. Uh, in the grand final last year, she had a, a play down the wing where she had about four running bounces and whatnot. But she's just so tough. Hard to beat in the air. Hard to beat at ground level. I think generally most people will sort of assume she'll be pick one. But, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily end up that way. We know that I don't think she'd get past uh, Nathan Burke at the Dogs if, if, if Ali McKenzie flips to two. But, you know, the other one there's Alyssa Bannon, who's a uh, forward but has been playing in the midfield. So she's very good above her head, um, very agile, um, kicked a lot of goals. Like she's able to play. She's almost like a tall forward um, or, or a small forward in a tall forward body. So she can definitely play ground level, very strong overhead, able to do a lot of special things. And for me, Tiana Smith, um, the other one is probably the most balanced prospect of the lot. Uh, I, I know that others sort of talk up Mackenzie, who's absolute quality, deserves to be there. Um, Tiana Smith, what I like about her is she doesn't really have any weaknesses. She's great, got elite, in, uh, I guess, elite endurance, elite uh, athleticism, speed out of the contest, fantastic clearance ability, sets up her teammates, great team player. Um, you know, she just she's able to do everything herself, basically. She can hit the scoreboard, um, really leads by example, and there's been a few games with Danny Nong where she's basically turned the game on its head. So um, definitely a player who I think is just a really all-round player. And I sort of had her there roughly for, for, for Melbourne or yeah, that third pick, but she might not be there. Like, I, I certainly would not be surprised if Richmond were considering her at the top pick or, or second pick. Um, but, I mean, there's, there's others that are there as well. But certainly those three are three that I think that have really stood out and that I would certainly consider in that top group. So consider that, Tigers, Doggies and D's fans of players that might be coming your way. We'll obviously touch on them, as we said, in about a month or so's time. But, of course, you'll be able to read about it at afl.draftcentral.com.au coming up soon. We know normally around this time of year you would have been pushing out a whole heap of profiles coming off the back of the national championships, of course, which has not happened due to the COVID-19 situation. So with that change of plans, we know we've seen an excellent uh, uh, publication from you coming out an online magazine, particularly looking at the Sanford women's competition and those great players under the age of uh, 22. When it comes to particularly the NAB League girls that people want to know about because the season stopped, when can we start to to look into them with your detailed analysis of them as, as we get closer to the draft? Yeah, so, so definitely over the next uh, month, we're going to be really trying to hone in and, and get a lot of features and hear from the girls themselves because that's what we're doing with the WA girls at the moment. We're doing sort of the, the one a week going through that because they're obviously quite busy uh, still playing footy. Um, SA we're on to at the moment. So uh, once their season concludes over the next couple of weeks, that's when we're going to um, really get into their features as well. So you'll definitely see a lot of different features from all these different states over the next month and, and really get to know the, the players and their journeys and their stories. And that's what we're really keen about because obviously then they can sort of explain what what they like to do and their um, their playing style, things like that. And then obviously we chat to the coaches and um, whatnot. But certainly like last year, we did about 100 features or, or anything uh, in the lead up to the draft. So certainly that's something we're keen to do for whoever's available. And yeah, we certainly enjoy doing it. And, and it's a lot of fun for the girls to get their name out, get a bit of media training. So yeah, that, that's certainly the plan over the next month. 
Keep your eyes peeled on afl.draftcentral.com.au. Your place to know, particularly all about the under-18s that your club could be taking. And for those outside of Victoria, to keep an eye on those talent over the age of 18 that are uh, looking to be picked up and possibly a second chance for those that have been delisted. They're currently applying their trade at state league level. Peter, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Strandals Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. Stay safe during this Stage 4 lockdown here in uh, Melbourne and we look forward to seeing your content coming up closer to draft time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. In Melbourne on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app, you're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Time now for our scoreboard check from around the state leagues to find out who beat who and who's scheduled to play who next. Let's begin in South Australia where the Sandfall women's competition played their semi-finals over the weekend and in the major semi-final, North Adelaide 3-7-25 will go straight through to the grand final after beating South Adelaide 2-5-17. Norwood 2-3-15 were eliminated by West Adelaide 9-4-58. That sets up a preliminary final showdown uh, this Sunday lunchtime at Theberton Oval, South Adelaide versus West Adelaide. Adelaide. Get along there if you can. The winner to take on North Adelaide in the following week's grand final. Across to the West Australian Football League women's competition. Round four played over the weekend. Subiaco defeating South Fremantle 95 to 14. Claremont 2 4 16 going down to Peel Thunder 3 6 24. While Swan Districts 5 3 33 defeated East Fremantle. 3-3-21. Round 5 action is this weekend. The standalone game on Saturday being Peel Thunder versus Subiaco. 5.10pm at David Gray's Arena. That's local time. Two games on the Sunday. South Fremantle versus Swan Districts. 1pm at Fremantle Community Bank Oval. And then at 2.15pm at New Choices Homes Park. The video stream game. It is East Fremantle versus Claremont. Across to the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Round four played over the weekend. Pennant Hills Demons 5-2-32 going down to Southern Power 6-8-44 into West Magpies 7-3-45 defeating Macquarie University 1-2-8. North Shore Bombers 10-14-74 defeating the UTS Batch just the one goal. Manly Warringah Wolves 12-6-78 defeating the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 1-1-7 and the East Coast Eagles 8-11-59 defeating Sydney University 1-6. Looking ahead to round five and all games being played on Saturday the 15th of August we kick the dew off the grass 10.40am at Trumper Park for UTS versus Inner West Magpies 11am at Dave Phillips South Oval, UNSW Eastern Suburbs versus North Shore Bombers 11.30am at Mike Kenny Oval, Pennant Hills Demons versus Mac Uni 11.40 at Sydney Uni yep at Sydney Uni taking on Manly Warringah and at 6 6.30pm under lights at Cambridge Oval, East Coast Eagles versus the Southern Power.
to the Bond University QAFLW competition up there in Queensland. Wilson Grange 5-8-38 defeated absolutely three straight 18. Yoronga South Brisbane 3 8 26, went down to Coolangatta Tweed 4-6-30. Cooperoo 5-4-34 defeated Maroochydore 2-10-22 while UQ Red Lions 3-2-20 went down to the Bull Sharks. Bond University 7 8 50. We look ahead to round nine action. We've got three games on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. On Saturday, 3.30pm at Exum Oval, Cullingatta Tweed versus Cooparoo. 4pm at Graham Road, Apsley Hornets versus UQ Red Lions. And 4.45pm at Maroochydore. It's the Roos versus Yoronga South Brisbane. And the standalone Sunday game, 3.30pm at Bond University, the Bull Sharks versus Wilston Grange. And across the Tasmanian State League's women competition. Round four played over the weekend. Glenorchy 5-3-33 defeating Launceston 1-2-8 and Clarence 10-6-66 thumped the Tigers just the one goal. Looking ahead to round five action. Both games on Saturday. Launceston will be kicking the dew off the grass at 9.30am at Windsor Park as they play host to Clarence and at 3.45pm at Utah Stadium. North Launceston versus Tigers. Glenorchy with the bye. And that's your state league women's scoreboard check from around the country. And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival for yet another week. This podcast airs every Wednesday, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time right here on Digital Radio Melbourne. You're just searching for Carnival or you can find it on the RSN Racing and Sport app. Just click the Carnival tab or go to rsn.net.au. You can also download this podcast right now by going to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app and also to warfradio.com or just google search women's australian rules football radio and you'll be able to find us there don't forget our social media facebook instagram twitter just put on the end slash warf radio i'm peter holden thanks so much for your company and until next week it's bye for now